G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't focus on the superstars. We focus on the lesser knowns and the guys that are going to bring you value to your Keeper Leagues. As per usual, I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How you going, mate? Very well, Hef. How are you? How was yeah, your weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Big wedding on uh, Saturday. So shout out to my mate Weedos who got married. And uh, as you've probably seen from the Instagram stories, it was a pretty loose uh, affair. So, yeah, yeah. lots of fun. Didn't get a lot of work done on Sunday on the podcast. It made, uh, like we had the public holiday Monday though. Surprise, too, surprise. Uh, you would have been hungover. <laughs> it was a good day though. So yeah, how's your weekend? Uh, a bit more chilled, a couple of games of golf, uh, oh, yeah? a few dinners, lunches, that kind of thing. So I'm actually feeling quite uh, quite relaxed going into this week. How's you going golf? Just stink it up or? Uh, one stinky round then. I finally came good after months of average, average golf. So you found some form. I found some form. Thank God. All right. This week we are continuing on with our team analysis uh, podcast series. We are going to be looking at Geelong, Gold Coast and GWS. So hopefully find some players in there that you can uh, yeah look at in the draft rankings or try to pick them up in your keeper leagues. But first things first, we'll get stuck into the league spotlight. Uh, this week we were joined by Sam from Whaler, who's going to tell us about his league. All right, I'm joined by Sam from Whaler. We're actually going to do uh, take two of this interview because I forgot to hit the record button to start off with. So welcome to the Keeper League, mate. No worries. Good to be here. <laughs> Again. All right. <laughs> so tell us, mate, what's the name of your league and how long has it been running for? Yeah, so we're uh, the South Australian Country Fantasy Football League, or SACFL for short, and we've been running since 2014. All right. And uh, yeah, tell us how your league's structured. So your, your squad size, your keeper numbers, your list changes per year, all that sort of stuff. Yep, so we have 21 players in a squad, um, so with 10 teams as well in the league, um, 13 players on the field with four backs, four mids, four forwards and a ruck, um, and then at the end of every year we have seven keepers we need to keep, um, they can be anyone, and then if we've got anyone under 50 games, you have the ability to keep them for free. All right, sounds interesting, especially with the uh, the four forwards and backs and also four mids. Does that, uh, I guess, place a premium on your uh, defenders and forwards? Yeah, definitely. So, um, like in the last few years, like having like a Lockie Whitfield last year was a yep. big, big, um, well, he's just, he's super relevant anyway, but yeah. um, having those um, premium forwards and backs just adds to you just because, well, with only four mids, you know. They're just not as valuable. Yeah, most most teams have mids that all average over 100 anyway. So, um, yeah, so it's just a real luxury to have even just three really good defenders or forwards. But it's all all about strategically and good drafting. So. Yeah, sweet. All right, that's a that's that's a pretty cool concept. I like that. So, um, yeah, tell us about your your premiership cup or your trophy. Do you have anyone? Is it named after anyone? What's the go there? Yeah, we've just got a um, we've got the premiership shield. Um. It's not really named after anyone. It's just the Premiership Shield. Yep. Um, so, and basically, that gets awarded, obviously, to the winner at the end of the year. Um, oh, I haven't actually won it yet. Um, <laughs> this will be the year, mate. This will be the year. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, being close the last couple. But, yeah, so that goes around, gets handed to the person who wins it, and they go and get it engraved with their name on it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's changed hands a lot. Um yeah, so that's it's pretty basic, the yeah. Premiership Shield. That's it. Something to play for, though, mate. A bit of glory there, so it's, uh, yeah, and to have your name engraved a, on it. It's always good. Yeah, $50 buy-in. So oh, beautiful. If you, if you win, you get the whole pot, so. No worries. Um, yeah, so do you have any punishments for the Wooden Spooners? We've had some great stories over the over the last year or so. What have, what have you guys got? I guess we don't have, like, a real punishment you get. Um, we call it the SACO, which is, like, yep, based like the, league. the league. Yep. Um, so... 
if you get it, you basically just ridiculed and belittled. <laughs> yes. um, there seems to be a pretty common that. theme, I reckon, the uh, yeah. just the belittlement of, uh, of the people that finish bottom. Oh, what are they there for? They deserve really? it, yeah. <laughs> it's the same guy who usually comes last and we're always left shaking our heads and oh. um, wondering why he's still got a job in the, in the league. Probably so. just there for the banter, mate, and the, uh, and the mateship, I guess. All right. Uh, does your league have any other uh, quirks or funny stories? Uh, yeah, any funny stories you can tell us about? Um, uh, just really, I'd say with quirks, we definitely have, in the past, we've had uh, one of our um, people, Dusty, um, he does a sliding doors every week. Yep, I love um, that concept. For our team, and um, so... That's always really good to have a read of and a laugh. Um, yep. We also do a, fan, a fortnightly fantasy newsletter. Okay. Um, so everyone sort of writes their own article or gets things going um, and basically chatting shit really yep. um, about the other boys in the, in the league, which nah, is really sounds good. sounds awesome. Um, and then, yeah, we've also got like a, a Google Doc with all our stats and records from the last six years yep yep um, keep it so up to date always easy to be able to get back to fair enough all right mate uh well thanks for joining us on the uh keep league podcast for this week and uh hope your team goes well uh this year do you want to give anyone a shout out before you go uh yeah uh, mitchell from uh look out this year i'm coming for you <laughs> all right mate good to hear thanks for joining us this week and uh yeah we'll catch you around no worries see ya so what's your excuse for uh, not hitting the record button? Oh, over or just... Nah, I have done. I'm just, uh, you know, we're a real professional uh, operation here at the Cape I thought you so. were a professional. <laughs> I'm the unprofessional one here and you're supposed to be the keeping this ship running smoothly. I reckon I've done about 20 of those and it's, I'm surprised that's the first time it's happened. So, hey, yeah, first time everything, perfect. I guess. Yeah, we're not Exactly. Perfect. Yes. Apologies to Sam who had to uh, sit through two of those. Uh, we are, in fairness, we only got maybe through like a minute of it. Okay, that's I, not uh, too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I, I realised after a while. But anyway, all right, uh, as we mentioned before, we're going to get stuck into Geelong, Gold Coast and GWS. So we'll kick it off now. Okay, let's get stuck into Geelong. All right, first up this week, we're going to be looking at the Geelong Football Club, the Cats as they're known. Uh, this week, I've actually remembered to put the best 22s into the show, Doc. Well, actually, I didn't. You reminded me to do it before the show. So. Quality control, <laughs> yes. All right, uh, Kays, take us through your best 22 for Geelong. All right, Geelong's best 22 in the back pocket, Jordan Clark, Mark Blitzarves and Jake Kulajasny. And the halfback line, Tom Stewart, Harry Taylor and Zach Tui. Midfield of Mitch Duncan, Joel Selwood and Brandon Parfit. Uh, in the ruck, Reece Stanley, Paddy Dangerfield and Gary Ablett. Forward line of Luke Dalhouse, Josh Jenkins and Jack Stephen. With Brian Myers, Tom Hawkins and Gary Rowan. And on the bench, Cam Guthrie, Sam Manigola, Quinton Narkel and Asava Radagalia. Where the hell is Nakai Cockatoo? Well, if you believe the hype that's uh, <laughs> hit Twitter today, um, he'll probably be, uh, probably for, you know, Rover, I'd say, you know, probably knock Gary Ablett out of a spot in that side, I'd say. I don't know if you knock him out, but uh, yeah, look, I don't, I like you said last week, the, the, the spots on the team don't really matter because they no, just no, swap no. and change anyway. But I don't think Gary Ablett will be playing too much midfield time. No. Um, I'm hoping we see Constable or something like that in that spot, but we'll yeah. have to wait and see uh, how his pre-season goes. It's a tough one. Like, yeah. Geelong have a, still have a pretty good midfield, even though they are aging. You know, oh, like yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough for someone like Cockatoo or yeah. uh, Constable to break in there. But, you know, um, there's been a few injuries uh, throughout Geelong's pre-season I think so you know there's plenty of opportunity especially in the 
the uh, Marsh series for those guys to put their best foot forward. Yeah, it should be interesting. I'm interested in, uh, to see what Sam Menegola, where he plays this mm. year as well, if he's even in the best 22. Yeah. But we'll talk about him a little bit later. Let's get stuck into some of the uh, players. Okay, so who's your first on the list? Uh, so for my first player is uh, Grian Myers. So 20-year-old uh, and he played all 22 games last year in his second season in the AFL. Now, for me, I'm licking my lips because we know he's coming into his magical third-year breakout. And, uh, you know, that excites me, but it might not excite some other people. But uh, especially when you're looking back on his last year, only averaged the 66.7 and kind of had a bit of a roller coaster season. Uh, but in a good good way, he still managed eight games of 80-plus, and that's really playing predominantly as that small uh, pressure forward up at the Cats. So what I liked is when he had those times that he had got a little bit of a run through the middle, uh, that's when he had the games of his 20-plus touches and actually scored quite well. Looking through his actual touch numbers, he never really uh, had more than 25 touches in a game. And a few of those, he was getting 80s and 90s and that kind of thing and not really doing a whole lot else, a few marks, a few tackles, that kind of thing. So it's good, you know, because there's a lot of people who get a lot of ball, but they still don't score that well. So he was getting, you know, low 20 touches and still getting around that 80s and 90s and still playing as that half forward flanker. So I think that's positive. And the other thing that's positive for me is that uh, he actually has a midfield pedigree. So back in 2017, when he played the under 18 champs, he actually averaged 28 touches, four marks and four tackles a game playing in the, the midfield uh, in the champs there. He then had to modify his game to become a small foot in the AFL. I'm pretty sure there's a story where the uh, recruiters told him he'd never make it as a, a midfield in the AFL. He had to need to find another string to his bow. So he basically put all the rest of that year in becoming a, a good small forward. I've never heard this before. Are you sure not really? making that up? No. I no. did not know he played midfield as a junior. Yeah. Geelong then uh, drafted him and he's obviously had the one year playing his trade in the VFL. He's now got into that Geelong side. I think with a few guys injured, a few guys aging, you know, Selwood, Dangerfield, Ablett, etc. they're all getting on. There's a few niggling injuries. I reckon he's one that they can throw straight in that midfield, ready to go. He had a really, really good season last year. Footy smarts, uh, Pedigree. I just, uh, I think I'm quite keen on him this year, and yeah. uh, he's one that didn't go on our draft last year, so will be definitely in the pool this year. And I'm, I'm quite keen to kind of go early on him because he's a forward. He's got that pedigree. He's shown some glimpses, and I think that uh, now's the time to to jump on Myers. Yeah, I reckon if he can get a few more, I just, I just don't see him actually getting a uh, midfield stint anytime soon. But if he gets it eventually, uh, yeah, it could be a, a viable scorer there. I didn't actually know he had midfield pedigree, so mm. that's handy to know. Case, yeah. All right, that's the information you only get listening to the keeper that's like. it you uh, you won't get that anywhere else no one will probably be talking about him anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> which is why you're only going to get it here <laughs> exactly alright I'll move on to my first player and uh, this is one of my boys a premiership mm, player at the Hoofers definitely and that's boy. Uh, Sam Menegola so he had a horrible year last year with injury he averaged 70, uh, 77.6 last season only one score 100 plus and that came in uh, round 7 versus the Bombers in the finals last year he played as a defender so that was the interesting thing about Menegola last year if that didn't happen I probably wouldn't talk about him at all but yeah, the first final against Collingwood, he was pretty awesome. Uh, playing across halfback, racking up touches, uh, you know, using that kick out of defence, and he scored 84 points. However, he was a little more quiet in the other two finals. I think it was like back to back 64s he scored uh, in the other two finals. But the defence role was still clear. He was definitely coming out of defence um, and kind of a go to man to move the ball forward for uh, Geelong. So if he plays in defence with a full preseason under his belt, no injuries, all that sort of stuff, he could actually be an asset for our keeper league teams. The only issue is he's only a midfield only this year so you're relying on him to I guess pick up defender status and continue this role into 2020 mm. that's no guarantee of yeah. that happening especially with um, Tim Kelly leaving that opens up a midfield spot yep. but at the same time Jack Stevens' arrival might 
sew that one up. Um, but he could play forward as well. Menegola could play forward as yeah, well. Yeah. Who really knows how that is going to happen? So he's one I want to monitor in the Marsh series. And if he's named round one even as well, but, you know, it might be a bit late to, in terms of drafts and stuff like that. But yeah. actually to see where he goes. Any opinions on him, Case? Yeah. I, we had a, I had a question um, on Twitter about a guy who was looking to keep him in. I think it was a 12-man keeper league kind of thing. So you yep. keep 12. It's really, I think he has a lot of upside but he also has a lot of um, risk associated with him too yeah. um, because he, he never really actually cemented that key spot, I suppose, last year. Yeah. But we have seen in previous years. Well, two years ago, he was a yeah, top five forward. Exactly, so exactly. He's so, not forward anymore. Yeah, so when he, if, you know, losing, losing status hurts. Um, but saying that, there has been a lot of talk that Tom Stewart hasn't really had a great preseason. So if he's a bit slow getting into 2020, might mean that Manigola can go play back because play half back because he's that really tall, hybrid-y uh, kind of player too. He's he's quite lean and um, yeah and tall, so he can probably play do a few different roles, which is probably part of the uh, the reason that the Cats love him. So it's a tough one. I I think you probably keep him going into to this year. Yeah. Um, but saying that, as I said to um, Kerf on Twitter was that I reckon if you can get something for him, I reckon he's a good one you could offload if you need to kind of fill a gap or um, get a defender or, you know, just kind of for team balance, I think, yeah. going into this year. Or get someone who isn't 27 plus and a young gun yeah. because I need more of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's probably a bit of a wait and see until um, until Marsh shoes, I think, for me. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to your next player. Who you got? Uh, Quinton Narkle. So I think he's going to be on everyone's radars this year after his last three regular season games saw him notch up scores of 93, 50 and 111, which means that his uh, last five average will come out as 84.7. So uh, to start off, his 93-point game came from only 63% time on ground and his 111-point PB was only from 81%, which is still very good going for a youngster. So if you're notching up 93 points and 63% time on ground, that is high points per minute. He's always been one that's quite highly touted around the Geelong circles, and I don't know if that's just because we get uh, every Geelong player hyped in our uh, WhatsApp thread um, from uh, one of the Geelong supporters in he our He doesn't group. know any other players in the competition. He's a bit no. like Cam, actually, from uh, from Draft Doctors, too, I think. <laughs> just like everyone <laughs> every from Geelong, Geelong is a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, he's been highly touted, and I think what was great was we could see what he did last year. So... Um, I wanted to know a bit more about him, went through his VFL numbers and he actually only had the 100 last year and two 80s from his 11 VFL games. But I think what he showed at AFL level was that he can definitely match it with the best. So from what I saw, I was very impressed with his uh, ability. He's got that speed, very dynamic, can go through that midfield. And I think that they need a bit more speed in that midfield, the Cats, especially with, uh, as I said, some of those old guys slowing down. So while he's a bit of a a risk going from a forward to a centre in fantasy this year, I'm actually very sold on his fantasy potential. And I think this year could be the making of uh, a star in the future. I know it's only his second like season of playing, you know, seniors. Mm. And But, yeah, the time on ground thing always worries me with players like this. For me, he seems like a real impact type burst player. Yep. And we always talk about, well, lots of people always talk about, yeah, us included, you know, once he boosts that time on ground, this guy is going to go nuts or he's pointing yeah, yeah. at numbers because of time on ground. Some of these players just don't actually get there. Yep. They are there because they're in the t- side for that burst, not because of their tank and not because they can run all, run all day. Yep. This is what, can, the only thing that really concerns me about Narkel is this. So it's something we need to monitor a yep. bit more and make sure he's actually boosting those time on ground numbers in the yep. preseason. Because if they're not, I could see him fluctuate a lot but yeah that yeah. said like he was scoring pretty well with yeah. low time on ground anyway I just feel that with their midfield like Selwood's slow Ablett's slow now Dangerfield's still still got pace Duncan's it's one of Kaya you know, coming yeah. in <laughs> or Grind Myers can just burn yeah. through that midfield you know so I think there's and Jack Stevens not not 
He's slowing down too. Well, so he's not very fast. No. Yes. So <laughs> I think that they're going to need to rely on guys like Narkel, Myers, etc., to to give him that burst because that's what you know winning teams are doing last year. They were throwing those guys with speed and and can burst out of the center square. And I think Narkel fits that bill quite nicely for me. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to Charlie Constable. So um, basically, fitness and endurance held Constable out last season, and I guess it's a it's a bit of a it's a tough midfield to break into because they got a lot of old blokes. They just like playing the tried and true. Yeah. Which one. But then also you've got blokes like Parfit. Now we're talking Nakai Cockatoo could come in. We've got um, – there's another player I'm, I'm missing but off the Nikai top. Nakai Cockatoo might end up being your boy. You've mentioned <laughs> him like four times right now. I only said Nakai Cockatoo because I actually forgot the other player I had in mind. So I just had to bring him back in there. Um, I'll think of him later. Actually, if I go scroll up to your uh, best 22 here, I'm thinking of – Oh, Jack Stephen coming in yeah. as well. So another one that could actually just come in and um, take that spot as well. Maybe even Menegola back in there. So it could be actually a tough, um, a tough midfield to break into this year, despite the aging bodies and things like that, and because they play the tried and true stars. But um, we'll look at last uh, year. So we had. Uh, Two, um, two games where he went 100 plus um, in 2019 and the average 83.4 in total. Um, VFL numbers, I uh, don't have them written here, but off the top of my head, they were quite um, good. I think it was around the 90 average, but I think there was like one really low, like he scored an 11, maybe an injury affected mm-hmm. game, or maybe he was just held out because he might have been playing seniors or an, an emergency. Um, so that kind of affected his scoring. It probably should have been a little bit higher. But uh, yeah, with Charlie Constable, I just think if he can work on his fitness and endurance and make his way into the side. He should be pretty handy going forward. He looked like he was going to be a, like a fantasy scorer, mm-hmm. you know, last season to, yep. to help us out. So what do you think, Case? He's one of those guys that kind of let us down last year. One of those guys we hyped up ahead uh, of 2019 and just didn't deliver a bit of a brain sigh about him. But he's obviously got the goods. He, he can definitely play. It's just about getting his body right and probably getting his fitness right. So, um, there's a lot of people who are quite hot on him this year, and that's fine. Go for it. You know, we we kind of pick our pick our guys that we like to to talk about. But uh, for me, I think I just need to see how Geelong line up in the Marsh series, um, especially with their midfield and what they're going to do, and if they are going to start blooding some of these youngsters or they keep going with the the tried and true formula. All right, cool. Let's move on to your next one, Kays. Yeah, my last guy is Jordan Clark. So uh, when the position changes came out, he's a guy I was very happy to, to write off because he uh, lost his back status and is now a centre only for 2020. But uh, after a little research, I changed my mind. So there's obviously no doubt uh, after a quality junior career and the back status heading into 2019, he was a very highly draftable commodity. But after losing that, I was just like, nah, he's not going to have any fantasy relevance, especially in 2020. But looking at his stats, it was actually quite impressive. So he's young. So, you know, you don't need massive scores in your first year of footy. He played 18 games of AFL footy for a nine, uh, sorry, a 63 average. Um, and he had five games of 80 plus, which I think is pretty good for a kid in his first year in a good side. So with a 96 PB, 96 point PB, sorry, uh, which featured 23 touches against the Crows. And that only came from 76 76% time on ground. So I think for a young kid, you know, they, we know they don't get very big numbers uh, time on ground wise. Their, their scores aren't always massive first year. But what I like is he does it all. He marks, kicks, tackles. He's a he's a real fantasy jet in terms of the, the stats. So for me, he's best 22 at the Cats. They're definitely going to play him all this year. And I'm not Probably expecting a huge jump in numbers in year two, but I think if you've got him, he's almost a must hold because I think if you let him go this year, 
He's probably got that back pocket position uh, sewn up at the Cats. He's probably going to get maybe DPP this year and he'll probably go into 2021 with back status. And I think that's when he's really going to explode. So one that I think you have to find a place for if you do have him in your side uh, heading into this year. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Jordan Clark, mainly because he's the uh, nephew of the guitar teacher at the school I work at. So um, yeah, we quite- You get Jordan Clark Clark updates all the time? He has absolutely no idea about anything. Classic Muso knows nothing about sports. So So he's going to get like a Jordan Clark signed- uh, Nothing. Guernsey. The only thing he just says is like how worried he is because it's dangerous playing AFL. So <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, but no, like I said, like well, you, you summed it up beautifully. I think, uh, yeah, the kid's going to be a gun. It's just uh, like when it happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if he's not playing in the midfield, he'll be playing in, in the back line, and uh, yeah, will be a pretty handy scorer there as well. I think. For sure. And your last guy, Hef? Yeah, my last guy is uh, Lockie Fogarty. So, someone who's probably forgotten about a bit, uh, especially because he's junior numbers and he was pretty hyped up uh, early on in his career. But we'll talk about him. Uh, a calf injury kept him out a lot of last season and he only played two games. Uh, he scored 43 in the first game and 55 after that. Average of 49, nothing special there. He was out of the side for the rest of the season after those two trial games, I guess, that he had in the middle of the season. Uh, he averaged 57 in 2018 and played 15 games and he basically looked to be in, well, you know, one of Geelong's emerging stars um, they had a lot of trust in him played him up four for the entire season had some really good scores um, midway through the season as well so it was a bit uh, I guess the, the injury probably hurt him the most last year but I was a bit surprised to see his average go so far backwards despite it only being two games um Interesting, yeah, but before his first game of the year last year, um, in, in 2019, sorry, um, it was against the Crows. And Chris Scott came out and said uh, before the game, I can't remember who was interviewing, but they are talking about Lockie Fogarty in tonight. Is he going to play a role in the forward line? And he said, no way, he's one of our midfielders. He's be playing the midfielder um, of the night. We don't plan to use him as a forward. But, you know, obviously playing in the AFL, you know, Geelong AFL midfield, he's a bit off the pace and, yeah, he found his way out of the side after a while. We'll have a look at his VFL numbers quickly. So, he averaged 76 in the VFL. There were some big scores there, but then some, like, smaller scores as well. So, his first two games back from his calf injury went 124 and 100 and then, bang, we thought he was going to be back. But then, I don't really know the reason, but looking at his scores across the season, he had a few low scores in the 20s and the 30s as well. So, I think one of them might have been injury affected and it could be that whole thing, yeah, coming back, playing half a game, that type thing, or only playing half a game because you're in a emergency for the Sunday team or whatever. So I think a few are like that. So that probably, you know, reflects the low average in the uh, in the VFL. But looking at his junior numbers as well, he's a, he was an awesome junior scorer. So he averaged 98 from the under 18, in the, the, at the under 18 champs. And this wasn't time on ground adjusted. So this is before you adjust it for the shortened time. Mm-hmm. So when you adjust it, it's 118 average there. Uh, at Tat Cup level or NAB League, whatever they call it now, he was averaging 123 per game there in the NAB League as well. So huge fantasy scores. It's coming into his third year. K is, is it breakout time? Well, statistically, <laughs> it's showing that it could be. Because it's his third yeah. year. It's his third year, so, so it, he's definitely breaking That's out. That's the stat we're talking yes. about. Yeah. Uh, look, I had him in the emergency list of my best 20, so I think he's around the mark. As I've said before, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Geelong's midfield and, yeah. and their rotations and everything through it this year. To be honest, I think if they don't start the season that well, it might be time for them to really start blooding these kids and giving them a lot more yeah. opportunity. So, definitely one that might be good to have in your suite of players this season. I don't know where you'd take him. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of uh, desire for him nah, for a lot of I coaches. I reckon he'll slide. So, so. Yeah. He's one of those kind of late flyer picks that you take. Like as yeah, a if, you him, if you got him like mid-draft, I think yeah. you'd be happy with that because there's plenty of upside there. There's going to be no talk of him in the preseason as well. So, if you can get him late or if you play rookie lists like us where you can keep players for a bit longer... Um, Um, But you pick them late, that might be a good one to go. Agreed. All right, let's move on to the Gold Coast Suns. (laughs) 
What a god awful song, Kays. But uh, lucky look, you don't hear it too often. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but you know, on the other side of that song, though, there might be a few uh, fantasy gems this season. Looking at that side, there's going to be a lot of uh, young players with talent that need to be blooded this year. So there's plenty of guys who could be anything in this list. All right. Well, you might as well read them out from your best twenty-two. Let's see who's actually going to make the side come round one. Right. In the all-conquering Gold Coast best twenty-two back pocket: Charlie Ballard, Rory Thompson, and Jack Lacocious. Pierce Hanley, Jack Homsch, and Jared Harbrow. Middle of midfield, sorry. Uh, Brandon Ellis, Took Miller, and Lockie Weller with Jared Witts, Jack Bowes, and Braden Fiorini. Forward line of Darcy McPherson, Sam Day, and Ben Ainsworth with Isaac Rankin, Alec, Alex Sexton, Ben King. And on the bench, Hugh Greenwood, Noah Anderson, David Swallow, and Matt Rowell. All right, first thing for me would be Jack Bowes out and Will Brody straight in to that midfield. Get him out of there. We know that's not be happening. There. Jack Bowes is the future. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if Jack Bowes just goes back to a halfback flank and kicks one of the Hanley or Hardbrow out of those and yeah. Brody does come back in. I've um, had a lot of feedback on the socials today. So yep. people were like, that back line is going to leak lots of goals. Well, probably, but I can only pick who's going to play there. So the forward line's not going to kick too many by the looks. Where's 2-meter Peter? 2-meter uh, Peter wasn't in their best 22 really at the end of the year. So, I think Alex Sexton was one of the best forwards actually last year in the comp. Ben King's supposed to be the next big thing. Sam Day played some really good footy. I think that those the smaller guys are fine. I think their their spine really, really sucks. I reckon they need the uh, two-meter Peter in there to kick some goals. But anyway. Sure. All right. I might start this one. Okay. So, I'm going to talk about Jacob Dawson now. Not Jordan Dawson. Okay. So, I wanted to talk about as many Jay Dawsons as possible. Of course you did. So, I'll get Jacob Dawson in there. No, but anyway. um, I think he is a... Big 2020 smoky. So, yeah. You're actually reading my notes because for some reason we actually read about the same guy. So, I'm all about you. You keep going down. You can read my jaw, Jacob Dawson. <laughs> I research. didn't even realize we talked about, uh, yeah, Jacob right, we're Dawson. We're going to talk about double Jacob Dawson here. Maybe, so we, can you both, go, you maybe go. we can both talk about it. You go. Him. Yeah, you okay. Go. So, he's the inferior Dawson. No, as he's we not. are. As we are. <laughs> As we talked about. Um, a listener yeah, asked about him a few weeks ago, so that's mm. why I decided to look into him. Yeah, I didn't actually realise he did the same thing. So you're only getting five Gold Coast players tonight. Apologies, listeners. I can talk about Jack Bowes if you want. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do Sweet. it. Uh, um, average 73 last season, uh, broke into the side in round 18 and played the last six games. So he had 48 in his first game and then basically went uh, 69, so one off 70, nice. Uh, then he scored 100, 71, 76. 72. So, we always talk about these defenders that will get you 70 each weight, mm-hmm. and I reckon this guy could really be one of them. All right? So, he plays that kind of uh, medium defender role, and uh, yeah, the game against uh, Collingwood last year, he had so many intercept possessions, he was just, you know, just racking up points left, right, and center. Yep. So, looking at his needful numbers as well, he averaged 95 and uh, had four times 100-plus uh, scores. So, pretty good going with a, a top score of 139 on the needful. So, they're the needful numbers that we like, expect to see from our needful players. Yep. Now, okay, seeing that we both wrote about him and didn't yep. realise it, uh, what, can, what further can you tell us? Well, I completely agree. I think, as we talked about their back line just before, like Pierce Hanley and Jared Harbrow were in my best 22, but they're old, they're unreliable physically. And I think that maybe Dawson just kind of slots into that halfback flank in that side. What I do love is that ability to go large. So you talked about his 122s, his 139s and the knee four. I think that's fantastic. And he just came in with absolutely no fanfare in the AFL last year and put together some quality numbers. So one to watch this year. And I think he's just going to be one that everyone will just kind of disregard. They don't know. They're just like, oh, that's not Jordan Dawson. Don't need him. So I think you might be able to get him for a bargain. And he said, if you can get a guy who's going to score you 70 each week, I think that's a massive win for someone that 
definitely no one will be talking about this year. I was so disappointed. I thought I had the inside scoop there. That's bullshit. No. <laughs> well, great minds think alike. So, That's true. You know, we've got to have a grand sum of things. We do. All right, who's your player? Uh, Jack Lacocious. So, what's exciting is he goes into 2020 as a DPP forward back. So, very handy. And uh, really last year for a young tall, I was very, very impressed with his season. And obviously, while it's basically impossible to get a kick in Gold Coast's forward line, I thought he was really, really good as a defender at times last year. So, I'm going to make him one of my stashes of the season in 2020. So, in uh, last year, he only averaged 52 points from 21 games, which is absolutely nothing amazing. But uh, for a guy who's first year, tall, um, in a shit, shit side, I think that's really, really good. Like, if you watched him play footy, he was athletic, covered the ground beautifully, and took a really, really nice grab. So... What was good towards the back end of the season when he kind of played that defensive role more, he actually averaged 64 points post by with only a low score of 50, which is not too bad for a young tall, and a high of 99. So in that game, he managed 21 touches, nine marks, and three tackles, which is absolutely phenomenal for a young tall. Now we get excited, well, I get excited about guys like uh, Charlie Kerno, Aaron Norton, even James Sisley, who's I get proved excited about none of those guys, except James maybe Sisley. Sick Dog. Sick yeah. Dog's the only one. So he's almost in that same mold, same build. <laughs> Um, there's going to be enough kind of tall guys that Lacocious can almost play third tall back there and uh, start those intercept marks and that kind of thing. And I think he's really in the same mould as those guys. So I'm a big, big fan of what Lacocious can do, not only footy-wise but fantasy-wise. And maybe this year might not be his go of, of jumping from like a, a 52 up to a, a 70 or something like that. But I think he's someone that you'd like to have as a stash if you can. Oh, well, if you say they play in the same mould, mold, I guess, like Kerno and Norton don't play across half-back and, you know, slut up. No, like tall guys who are athletic, <laughs> cover the ground well, take good grabs, who well, can score fantasy-wise. The way, the way I look at it, just going mm. back to those two, is there's no way that Lukosius is going to play that same role for the entirety of his career. As soon as he's kind of bulked up enough, he's going straight back to being a key forward and he's scoring the same as Kerno no. and Norton and fluctuating I don't think he's actually going to play forward for him. I think he will. No, I think he's going to be a new sick dog. He's going to be, he's going to be like Pavlov. Which who was a really good fantasy scorer, but I just don't see I don't that the modern know. forwards that get that kind of the same kind of I don't know the same touches that he did. They're not, no. they're, not they're not able in this modern game to chuck a big fella like that, a big <coughs> key forward into the midfielder and just rack up like they used to. I think they can. Like Alex Sexton's a good full forward, and Ben King's supposed to be the next Sexton's, big thing. Sexton's like not. I don't know why. Why are we talking about Sexton anyway? No, but he, they're playing forward. So oh, yeah, they don't need, like yeah, he doesn't sorry, need to play forward. Their forward yeah, yeah. line's actually not the worst part well, of their, I, their team. Well, I just don't think he'll probably be at Gold Coast for eternity either. No, so. I reckon he's locked <laughs> in. I think that I, I'm actually keen to, to stash him. I think he's going to provide the goods. Yeah. Oh, look, what, if he plays across half- I know half, you're anti-tall. If he plays across half-back, he's mm. fine. I just think he's far too valuable to just be a half-back flanker. It's yeah. a waste. No, but if that's his position, he reads the ball so well. Like, watch him play. Yeah, he reads it beautifully. He reads it well up forward too when he's, he's just too skinny to yeah, play. But no one's moment. kicking it to him because no one can yeah. get the ball. <laughs> so, get better. Like, oh, I don't know. Right. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, like I said, if he plays in defence, yeah, for sure. But I just don't see him playing there in the future. So, I just think it's a bit of a moot point there. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on to a player I actually wrote about uh, in uh, isolation this week, <laughs> and that's uh, Isaac Rankin. So he was held out for all of 2019, and it should be interesting to see what he can do in 2020. He'll get a run this year, in, in, providing he doesn't get yeah, touch wood, but don't tap the desk case because it makes a big, loud noise in the microphones. We learned that the hard way. Yes. <laughs> He's a freaking nature from a footy perspective. He's never been much of a fantasy scorer, though, so this is what concerns me. He's a classic small forward. Looking at his junior numbers, and this should give us a good indication, he only averaged 78 at 
um, at the under-18 championships. So this, with adjusted for the time of ground, was 94 points per game. Uh, looking at his sample numbers, again, playing for West Adelaide, I believe it was, um, at, as a small forward as well. He only averaged 65 there, but again, he was playing against real men, Case. Yes, real men. So um, there is probably an excuse for a bit of a dip in scoring there. I just don't see him as like that viable unless he gets that run through the midfield in the future, which potentially he could because yeah. he is such a freak of nature when it comes mm-hmm. to football. But um, I think people just got to call their jets. A lot of people are going to see that name. Isaac Rankin touted huge in the 2018 draft. going to be an absolute superstar. Yes, but fantasy scorer, maybe not. He's a massive salary cap hype guy. Yeah, for sure. He's going to be cheap as chips. If you're playing AFL fantasy, of course, you're going to put him in there. Um, But yeah, look, for me, statistically, he's never done it fantasy-wise. And even though their midfield is still, you know, not best by AFL standards, there's enough guys who are more mature to run through that midfield this year. So I kind of see Rankin playing that Cam Rayner kind of role if he's fit and running. Like yeah. can pinch it if he needs to in the midfield, but really is up there to, to kick goals, pressure, and do what a good small forward Who do you reckon would be a better player, Rayner or Rankin? I reckon Rankin. Yeah, he just needs to get his body right. Yeah. So. yeah. But uh, they both can be very exciting to watch in the future. Definitely. Uh, next for me is Benny Ainsworth. So, he is crunch time for Ainsworth in 2020. Fourth year. So, he missed his breakout year, unfortunately. But uh, he's played 41 games and uh, 2019 was his PB season. And that was only a 65-point average. Now, he's one of these guys who has plenty of talent and class, but just never has got a proper crack at it because of injury. Uh so before he got injured in round 10 last year, he went 88 and 73 in rounds 8 and 9. Then he played, and then he obviously got injured, uh, missed a fair bit of time out of the season, and then played his best ever game in round 23 against GWS for a 27-touch, 96-point game. Now, I'm very keen on him, which I'm an owner, so I'll put full disclosure on this, but uh, I'm super keen he can take it to the next level this season. He's been fit this preseason, which is massive for him. And for me, there's probably a slight worry that he's going to be one of these quality over quantity guys. But I think there was that glimmer of hope in that GWS game last year, um, along with the full preseason, that we could just see a big breakout from Ben Ainsworth this year. Now, I think the Masteries was going to show a lot about what the Gold Coast midfield looks like and who's playing where. But for me, I reckon he's a, a free swing this year in fantasy as the, the DPP centre forward. So for me, if you're an owner, I think you've got to hold him going into 2020. Um, and if you can get him, you know, early mid, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think this is his year. There's going to be some doubters and haters, and I completely understand where you're coming from if you're one of them. But for me, I reckon he can be one that goes to the next level. Yeah, I think if uh, Gold Coast weren't awarded, I guess, like the compensation picks, or not compensation, sorry, the um, the prop up picks, what do you call them? Priority picks. Yeah. Um, this year, so they had the extra second round. People would be a mo- lot more, um, sorry, second draft pick, second pick, that's one. Um, people would be a lot more hotter on Ben Ainsworth, I think, because all these young talent have come in there saying, and all that. He's not going to play now. All these young kids are going to come in. But, you know, he was almost ready last year and he's just been a bit unlucky, I think, yep. um, before this year. Um, our mate, uh, Coach Donna White on uh, Twitter, um, he's pretty keen on Ben Ainsworth as well. He's got a cool little acronym for him, which is uh, The Boat, which I think is the best of all time um, or something like along those lines. It's actually, Sweet. I think it was wittier than that. I've just messed it up, I think. But anyway, he'll probably tweet it back to us this yes. week and let us know what it Way is. Way to butcher a sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what it was. But uh, anyway, um, shout out to Coach Donna White because I know he's keen on him and wanted us to talk about him so yeah anyway uh we'll move on to uh my last player which is uh huey greenwood so just uh quickly on hugh greenwood we won't go deep into him because uh, i guess we know a lot about him from his time at the crows but he's likely to add a bit of grunt to the gold coast midfield and he should see a fair bit of midfield time 
That said, he could play forward too. I don't really know where he's going to fit into the lineup, uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to look at. Um, just looking at him, he's never averaged under 78 in his career. So he's played three seasons um, and his best average was 82 in 2018. So he's pretty consistent. Doesn't go super large, but he doesn't go super low as well. And this is a result of his tackle numbers, really. He's just a bit of a beast around the mm-hmm. or in the contest. So yeah, he loves um, he loves tackling and uh getting those plus fours to boost your score up. So, yeah, usually at the Crows, he was always stuck up forward. Um, he played one season in the mid, and I think that's his season he scored 80, averaged 82. But he could see a bump at the Gold Coast. That said, again, they've brought in a few other players um, and a few younger players that they might want to play a bit more. So they might actually play him as a forward. But I think the worst case as a forward, he'll be, you know, mid to high 70s as a forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting because he's the type of player that you wouldn't have wanted to keep before this year. But once the trade goes through, um, and he does get forward status as well, so pe- a lot of people weren't really sure whether he'd keep that forward status due to the split he played at the Crows, um, but he's kept it. So I think this year he's going to be a pretty handy forward in keeper league teams. Definitely. I'd be keeping if I owned him. Uh, what I like about him is his ability to take a good grab and he always kicks a nice goal. Like he always seems to hit the scoreboard at the Crows and that kind of thing. And I think they're going to need that extra height and kind of um, presence around their, their forward line, especially with a few young guys running through there. So for me, we had a lot of feedback on the the socials today about, you know, where, where's Will Brody and all that in the, the Gold Coast team. And I think that Hugh Greenwood and Brody are almost vying for that same position for me. And I think that at this stage, Green was probably got the runs on the board and a bit more polished than Brody. But um, don't, you know, that could change obviously throughout the year. But uh, I'm quite keen on, on what Greenwood could do this year and um, take a bit more responsibility on his shoulders. And I think his scoring could definitely rise. You're just beating around the bush, uh, alluding or not alluding to the fact that uh, Jack Bowes isn't going to be best 22. You're just trying to push other guys out of the side here. <laughs> All right. Do we talk about Jack Bowes? He's yeah, best well, 22. I want to know about his hair. Has he shaved it? Did yeah, I he see shaved that? it. Yeah. Oh, geez. Are you okay? Why do you think I shaved my hair? <laughs> that makes sense now. It all makes so much sense. All right. No, I don't want to talk about Jack Bowes. Okay. Let's just move on to GWS. Done. All right. And on to the big, big sound, the GWS Giants. Uh, we're moving through this podcast pretty quickly, Kays. Uh, mm. Maybe we'll keep it to under uh, an hour and 20 minutes this week. I'm not too sure how we're going, but... You haven't had to waffle about too many of your boys tonight, I suppose. So. Yeah, no, nah, I've got no boys on these side. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into this one. So, let's read through your best 22, Kays. Who's in the side for GWS? Best 22 for GWS is Heath Shaw, Aiden Core, and Sam Taylor. Zach Williams, Phil Davis, and Nick Haynes make up the back six. Uh, along the wings, Lockie Whitfield, Callan Ward, and Tim Taranto. Uh, big source, Sammy Jacobs in the ruck with Stephen Canelio and Josh Kelly. Forward line of Jacob Hopper, Jeremy Cameron, Toby Green. With Jeremy Finlayson, Harry Himmelberg, and Sam Reed, Which leaves uh, Harry Perryman, Jackson Haightley, Jai Caldwell, and Matt DeBoer on the bench. Yeah, I think that's one of your better efforts, Kays. I'm off the top of my head. I'm always bad with these. Like, I can't think off the top of my head who you've left out and who you mm-hmm. haven't. But, uh, yeah, look, I think that looking at that at first... First glance, you've done a pretty decent job with that one. I'm happy with that one. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. For a change. Thanks for that nice feedback. For a change. Any thoughts over just Jacobs over uh, Mumford? Nah, I think it's pretty pretty common sense, really. Mumford can't move anymore. Jacobs is going to provide a little bit more around the ground. Not a whole lot more, but uh, he'll do the same thing in terms of hitouts, but then actually get a few more kicks and grabs around around the ground as well. Would you keep Jacobs? Yeah, I would. I would like it, like, but that's because I've got no Ruckman at the mm. moment. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you were Jacobs' owner, would you? 
Yeah, look, it depends who you've got. Like, we only play one ruck, so it makes yeah. stupid. It's stupid to not play one. Uh, to only, you know, to keep more than one ruck is what I'm mm. trying to say. Um, so it depends who you got. But if he's your only ruck, I'll, I'd be keeping him. Like, you've got another year or so. He's only a year older than you and I. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's probably got another year or two left in him. So, be Done. fine. Yep. Right. My first cab off the rank for the GWS is Jackson Haitley. So, obviously, if you listened to the pod last year, there is plenty of love for this guy from me. And really, I think he would have played 22 games last year at most other clubs. Uh, he's that good. He averaged 68 in his seven games last season AFL level with an 84-point PB in his debut game. And that was only from 68% time on ground, which is very good going. He did get more game time throughout the year, but in a stacked midfield, probably wasn't required to do a heap with the, the talent that's in that side. So, in the NEFL, now we do beat up on the NEFL saying it's easy, easy, easy to score well, but he did average 111 as a first-year player and had 11 of his 13 games in the hundreds. So, that is seriously good scoring. Yeah. His highest scores were 137, 139, and 153. Yes, it's the NEFL, but for an 18-year-old kid, that is some serious, serious numbers. He does it all, kicks, marks, tackles, hits the scoreboard. Honestly, if he was at any other club, he would be one of the highly um, sought-after you know, fantasy players, I reckon. So, sure. if he cracks the best 22 this year, which I think he does, I think his numbers are just going to keep rising and more opportunity he gets, the more he's going to dominate the competition. Yep. Uh, Leon Cameron, if you're listening, and I know you are, you're, uh, you're tweeting all the time, you love this show. <laughs> Get him in the side, please. Yeah. This kid's going to be an absolute gun. So, yeah, we'd like to see him in the best 22, please. So, make it happen and uh, make all the fantasy coaches out there happy, please. Thanks, Leon. Cool. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about the big heater, Heshaw. So, yeah. this guy is old AF now. So, he averaged 82 last season uh, and he was down four points per game from his 2018 uh, season. So, apparently though, I, th- I think I heard this. I'm going to mention the draft orders again. I think I heard Doss say this, that he's just run a PB at GWS. <laughs> I can't <laughs> see him ever being super fit though. So, yeah, it's yeah, probably, true. You know, like- so, like losing the grand final might have spurred him off. But I actually couldn't find an article to, to, back, know, it up. to back that up. So, I'm not sure if it was actually true or not. I'm not mm. sure if he's yanking our chain. <laughs> Anyway, um, I can't see him scoring more than 80 this season, though, for mine. Um, I think he's just, I think he's worth mentioning, though, if you're a player that's, uh, you know, coming into kind of flag territory mm-hmm. and you've got a few, you know, kids on your bench that might not be, uh, you know, going to break out this year. They're probably one or two years away. You've got them sitting on your, uh, on your reserves list. He might be one to actually trade in just so you've got that, you know, 79, 78 yeah. average in your back line, mm-hmm. just good cover. If someone gets injured, then it's not going to affect your side too much. Or you could yeah. play him on the field. He might score 80 a week. So I think, um, yeah, he's just one of those players that you've got to think about if you're pushing for a flag. But yeah, trade him out if you're nowhere near it, I think. Uh, I was just not keen on him last year and he obviously... GWS didn't win the flag, so he's going around again, which is obviously his decision. Yeah. I just kind of wish he retired. Like, I just think there's that many good players at GWS who should get a, yeah, should now, get a shot. Now, now I'm rethinking really like, that as well. Like, he's definitely in his last season. And you look at players like, I know it's a bit different kettle of fish, but like Delidio last year, or even someone like Cade Simpson, who you thought was going to be his last year last year, he just went backwards big time. Yeah. Now that I'm rethinking it, maybe. Jordan he, Lewis, yeah, etc. Like, maybe he won't actually get anywhere near it. Maybe it's time know. to trade I him out think, if you've got I still him. think they're going to play him. Yeah, like he's obviously He's a great on-field leader for the side, yeah, which is good. Sure. But I just don't know. But he just does love – he loves racking him up. Like he just loves yeah. getting cheap kicks off the half-back line. Yeah, so taking kick outs and playing on. He's yeah. probably going to score well. It's just like, I don't know, what do you do? Like you really, if you're not going for a flag – don't touch him with a 10-foot yeah. pole. And if you are going for a flag, try to get him on the cheap yeah. as well. No, Super cheap. Yeah. People will probably delist him. Yeah, maybe. going in. You never know. 
Yeah, he's the kind of player that if he was still on my side and uh, I traded him last year because I knew he was kind of on the way out, mm. that I would probably hold on to in hope that he does go, you know, 80, 82, 84 in his first three weeks that you can kind of offload. Just go. Yep. Yeah, and if he doesn't, then, you know, you're, you're offloading yeah, him anyway. So that's probably the matter. smarter play. Yeah. Just uh, try and get him cheap or, or offload him when he does hit, you know, some highs. For sure. All right, let's move on to your next player. Yeah. Case. Now, speaking of old guys with a bit of a conundrum, I'm getting to Cullen Ward. He's so that old. He's 29, isn't he? 29. I don't know, but he's just come off a serious injury. So it's a tough Every decision, decision, mate. It's a serious injury, and it's a tough decision for many owners as to what to do with guys coming off um, big injuries. So if you look back, obviously last year's a write-off. Uh, 2018, he averaged 97. 2017, 93. 2016, 96. And 2015, he averaged 100. So, he's never like a seriously, you know, 100-plus premium midfielder. So, But he's always one of those guys who just does his job week in, week out. We'll score the occasional big game. We'll have an occasional 70-80. That's just what uh, players like him do. So, he's best 22 when he's fit. But what does he score? Does he does the injury slow him down a bit? Do some of these kids run over the top of him in terms of Haightley, Coldwell, these kind of things? Um just what do you expect from someone coming back like that? Is he a high 80s, low 90s player? Is that what he's going to do? Um, I Just before you answer, I did see that today. They said they're hoping he'd be fit for round one, but he's more likely to be fit for round three. So it does give a few of these other kids a bit more opportunity to push their push their claim. But with him, he's just that inside centre midfielder. He doesn't really have any other you know role that he can play in the side. So it's just a really... It's just the one to think about for me. Yeah, look, I think he will go around the 90 mark, but he'll start slow and build his way up, I mm. think. With these types of players, though, like I basically built a flag side by filling my midfield with these types. Guys that aren't going to get you, you know, 100 plus each week, but guys that are going to get you the, the 90 mark because players... Coaches are often willing to trade these guys out for a young punk with potential, and you can kind of stock up on these type of players. And you know, if your worst midfielder scoring your ninety every week, you're going mm. pretty well. So True. they're not the worst players to have, especially if you're in your like you know mid three, mid four, mid five. Yeah, like going down that kind of level, you can actually go alright if you get a few of these guys in. So I don't think he's the worst pickup, but yeah, I think he's going to be close to. He's going to be sorry. He's going to be slow to start uh, this season. So, and I reckon he won't go much higher than ninety if he gets there. So yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. But, you know, actually, Kays, I've been offered um, a trade for Callum Ward. I've been offered Callum Ward mm. in return for um, Nick Nat Nui. So, if you own Nick Nat Nui, would you trade him out for uh, Callum Ward? Oh, man. I'm just a bit gun-shy of guys coming off big injuries. Well, both of them are coming off big yeah, injuries. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. So, it's like, what do you do in that, that <laughs> yeah. scenario? Like, if you need a Ruckman, sure, Nick Nat's obviously flying. He's... Um, Training the house down by all reports, but yeah. uh, I need a ruckman though. That's my thinking because he's my only. I've got him, Paddy Ryder, and I think Kieran Briggs, and I don't even think he's a ruck. This he's season. not a ruckman this year, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm uh, a bit light on because I had someone else who's retired now. But anyway, yeah, not good for that, the Hoopers this yeah, year. I think with Ward, if you can get him cheap or somehow just sneak him in, I think he's worth it. But yeah, um, yeah, don't bank on you know consistent good scores, especially early. Yep. All right. I'm going to talk about Nick Haynes as my next player. So this guy looked absolutely awesome last year. He averaged 79 for the season. And if you include finals, it was an average of 81. So he averaged 88.9 from his last 10 games. And get this case, 96 from his last three. They have big numbers. Now, there's no question that these numbers are good. But there are some things that concern me about mm-hmm. these numbers, Case. Mm-hmm. So his late season form really coincides when a lot of midf- midfielders just got injured late in the year. So yeah. we're talking Ward halfway through the year goes out, 
Canelio goes out three quarters of the way through the season. Mm-hmm. Last few rounds, Hopper is out um, for the last three. Then what happened was you saw Perryman and Williams play a lot more midfield time. Mm-hmm. That means Haynes was basically left as like the sole sweeper back there and he absolutely mopped them up. Um, we also saw Whitfield, I guess, leave the defence as well. I know that was a bit yeah. earlier in the season, but uh, it just everything just played perfectly for him to have a good fantasy season. So, yeah, he picked up where all those guys left off as that sweeper role. Now, it's likely that we're going to see Perryman and Williams back in defence this season just because that midfield, there's just so many of them. They can't all play in there. Mm-hmm. So, can he pull the same numbers, Ks, with those guys back in defence? No, but I still think he's a very valid back yeah. option. You know, I think we talked about him a lot last year. It's just that that classic lock and forget 70 plus yeah. every week defender. Do you think he averages more than 79 this season? Uh, nah, nah, nah. I don't think so. But yeah. I also don't think that's a horrible thing. No, no. Like if he's in your side, you're keeping him because yeah. you get that consistency. Will the big games be there? Probably not. But is he going to let you down? Rarely. So... Yeah. I just wouldn't – if you were starting up a new league, I wouldn't be taking him high. He's not going to lose those intercept mark numbers, which is going to be a positive. I just think a few of the cheaper touches he gets every now and then, he might – you might, mm. you know, not – won't be huge, but he might suffer five points a game, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, still, yeah, I'd be happy to keep him, happy to take him. It's just I'm, I'm not expecting huge things. I think there's more defenders out there who have more upside than yeah. Nick Haynes. Uh, speaking of Nick's, my last play is Nick Shipley. Now we are going deep. Isn't here. this the guy nicknamed Nick Shitley by many out there? Yes, <laughs> and I think it's because he had a six-point game one year and in twenty eighteen. Like a lot of time on ground, wasn't it? Or uh, yeah, the basically game. like 70, 80 percent <laughs> okay. uh, went back. But uh, good. Tell me about him, Kay. He's really yeah, convinced us. Look, GWS <laughs> obviously have plenty of depth. They've got lots of good players. But uh, if you look at NEFL numbers, Nick Shipley actually has some. <laughs> Did fan- you say Shitley? No, I said Shipley. Oh, I sounded like Shitley in my I'm headphones. I'm sorry. Very <laughs> very precise. Um, his NFL numbers are outstanding. So, he didn't play a game of AFL last year and only played the two in 2018. But really, he can score if given the chance. Now, he averaged 104 in the NFL last year. Uh, 12, of his, 12 of his 18 games were tons and had numbers of 145 and 149. So, obviously going big for the Giants in the NFL there. Now, the Giants have recruited well again. Uh, they've added a lot of nice talent in their side. So, there's going to be a serious glut of mids there. But my thinking is if they do need a bigger body and a third-year player ready to go, it could be Shipley. Now, this is like uh, – this is going deep. But uh, one to keep your eye on more than anything. So, I think if he can play a few Marsh Series games and just see where he's at – but for me, I think he's just one to put on your monitor list for the season, especially if you're playing waiver wire pickups. I think he could be handy because if he does play, I think he's going to score well. But there's so much risk about him playing in the first place. So this is a deep, deep get, but we are the keeper league, have. Yeah, nah. I just don't see it. I just don't see him getting a game. Not this season anyway. Maybe one for the future. But like in our league, we're going to keep 16. He's not going to be someone you're going to be able to stash. So no. f- for me, he's probably not someone worth wasting your time so on. I think it's but just if you play, No, if you play like a, um, a dynasty-style league, mm-hmm. definitely throw a late pick and see how he goes. Because those yeah. needful numbers are pretty juicy. Yeah. It's just that, uh, yeah, he looked a bit, I don't know, lost at AFL level. That was two years ago, Matt. Yeah, I know. He could have improved. Who Come knows? That's two years like ago. He, he debuted on his you know first year season as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, we'll see how he goes. All right, uh, last player I'm going to talk about for, uh, and this will wrap up GWS, I'm going to talk about Jai Caldwell. So actually one of my boys, I own this guy, so he's one. Um, let's just so talk about him for a minute. Yeah, no, no, I won't take that long. Okay, it's all good. good. Uh, GWS uh, was super hot in this guy in the 2018 draft. He was their first pick. I think he was picked before Haley, mm. which uh, says a lot. So a lot of injuries early in 2019. I think it was a groin or a duct or a 
something like that quad earlier on. Um, but yeah, he was tipped to debut in round one before that. Um, and that's pretty high praise coming in, I guess, to that midfield who have so many guns in it already. Um, looking at his needful numbers, he averaged 83.2, but did have an injury affected score of 11. So if you take out the 11, that bumps it up to about uh, 92 um, from there. So Definitely some decent needful numbers there. Not um, as good as Shipley. <laughs> that's true, but he doesn't have three years in the system. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking at his AFL debut, he scored 72, which is pretty reasonable for a, for yeah. a player like him, but uh, he can only manage a 38 in his second game, and this is a game where GWS got absolutely pummeled by Western Bulldogs, so he probably wasn't the best fit for their midfield uh, at that point in time. So spent the rest of the year in the... Uh, in the kneeful and uh, yeah so we'll keep moving through this um, yeah sorry junior days that's what I'm trying to talk about so um, back in his junior days he was likened to Stephen Cornelio so the only difference was that his fantasy numbers were nowhere near Stephen Cornelio's he What's only it, averaged like him or <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know they reckon well, I guess he played the inside role yeah. at junior level pretty well but uh, yeah look fantasy numbers weren't anywhere near it um, only averaged 37 at the Anarani Championships mm. so that's pretty low and pretty gross I'm not sure what the guy was might have got injured, but that's the number that's in the back of the prospectus. Um, 64 average in the NAB League, too. So that doesn't really sound very nice either. Right now, I'm taking Nick Shipley <laughs> over Jai Colwell. You're not really selling him to me. Well, if you look back at his JLT games from last year, he actually scored really well in, I know, one of those. And I think the second one was the one he got injured, but he was tracking really nicely in that, mm. too. So he looked, and then, then, yeah, the talk of him debuting round one last year before he got injured, it looked really oh, promising. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. And like, yeah, those early scores in that JLT match really sold him for me um, that GWS midfield at full strength though is a worry though so I just you've got him in your best 22 which is positive for me um, I'm not as certain that he is going to be in it although I cannot think of someone who's going to definitely come in and replace him there's obviously a few candidates but um, yeah hopefully he does get a run this year and actually lives up to the hype that he was uh, was showing last year now you're obviously in your rebuilding mode and all that kind of shit but would you, are you keeping him yeah, I am. I've got like I've got no one else to keep. Like all my old guys are just dead. So. But if you were a normal team who wasn't bottoming out deliberately, like you have, nah, he's probably going to want you're going to have to put back in the pool. I think, yeah. um, unless like what's great about our draft last year, we did the draft before the uh, JLT or Master Series, whatever you want to call it. This year, we're actually going to watch a couple rounds of it, mm-hmm. so we can actually get a bit of a gauge um, to see how we go. So that's going to be nice as well, I think. So. For sure. All right. That wraps up the team analysis uh, segments this week. So we're going to move on and just quickly talk about the uh, Keeper League membership system we've got going on. So up there at the moment, we've got the under-18 champs uh, and drafty state league numbers. We've got uh, reserves, uh, state league fantasy scores out as well. We've got the breakout tracker. And uh, this week we are releasing, we're going to start releasing our Keeper League rankings. So, mm-hmm. we're going to do top 100 for every position except for rucks because there's not enough rucks. There's not even no. enough rucks to do 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to do top 100s for, and then a top 38, I think it is, for rucks. <laughs> Bit odd, but anyway, we'll call it the top 50 anyway um, for the rucks. So, yeah, we're going to do those this week. They'll come out on, I think we're going to release them on Friday, case, yep. um, and then we'll re- do them weekly. So. so, the difference between our ranks is we're actually Keeper League focused. So, yeah. um, take into account age, really. Yeah. Age and you know what we think their scoring potential is, even if we think that they're going to lose a yeah. status in the future. So, we're not, you know, a lot of other ranks will be like, This is what's going to happen this year. No, 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 we're yeah. looking long term. I think what's going to happen with ours as well, Kays, I've mm. looked at it like, um, you've got to win the first year 
as well. But then also you want to be good for the future. So I've got, a, I reckon yeah, I'm going to have yeah. a few more players that are a bit older than I think okay. you're going to go a bit more youthful. But I it's going to be, it's going to be uh, interesting to look at because we haven't actually had a look at his, um, mm. the, each other's numbers yet. But we're actually recording a uh, members only mini episode after this podcast. We're actually going to reveal the uh, the members. Oh, sorry, we're going to reveal to the members our defender rankings, our top fifty anyway of the defenders. Mm. So if you want in on that, you need to be a member of the Keeper League podcast. Yeah, and if you want to hear us, you know, bag out each other's ranks. Yeah. Um, you definitely need to be a member and get in on that because you'll receive access to those episodes. If that isn't enough sizzle, I don't know what is. Yeah. So we'll be doing those over the next four weeks. So we'll have a rankings episode weekly um, in the mini episodes for our members. So if you're not in, you are absolutely missing out. You want to hear these. So um, links are in the description if you want to sign up. Uh, there's a link to the membership page there. So check those out. But uh, yeah, we have quite a few gold members. I think 64 gold members wow. um, at this point of time. I nice. had a look. So uh, yeah, we're reading out five per week because it's just too many to do on a weekly basis so thank you to the following gold members of the Keeper League podcast Kays I'll let you read these out because you're better with the pronunciation of surnames ah so it's Mortimizer obviously uh, like Madonna or something like that but yep perfect <laughs> uh, Stefan Husinoff, I think Tom yep. Strout Alina Herman and Dale Travers. Thank you to you five. All right. Thanks to the members there. Uh, we won't read out any podcast reviews this week because we don't have any in Come the on, bank guys. read up. So I don't think many people use Apple anymore. That's I think right. that must Spotify be the Spotify is the bomb. Yeah, but can you can you write reviews no, on Spotify? No. So hopefully soon they bring that in. Yes. Anyway, let's move on to the listener tweets. Moving on to the listener tweets. Sorry, we've got to rename that to listener questions. They're not always yeah. tweets anymore. We no. got we actually got more Facebook followers than uh, twi- uh, Twitter now. So um, yeah, we actually got to scrap the tweets and make it you know universal listener questions. I listener think maybe feedback. we should take some TikTok questions in there as well. Maybe still don't know. What <laughs> All right, uh, just again, um, we used to answer pretty much every question that came to us. Now we're getting so many, we find it hard to fit them all into the podcast, which is, awesome. which is amazing. Thank you. We're not complaining, no. but we sometimes just find them hard to fit them all in. So we kind of pick the ones that haven't covered in the player analysis yes. analyses that's the right word um, and yeah just kind of pick the ones that are kind of unique so read out the first one there Case uh, from Arms Ryan is there any first year draftees you're looking to pick up besides the obvious top 10 are there any sleeping ball pigs well this one isn't that unique because I swear we have a question like this every week but anyway um, for me uh, look Matthew Rao I think is going to be one of the better mm-hmm. scorers the uh, the smoky that a lot of people are talking about is the uh, Connor Butterick or Butterick, I'm not really sure. Is that the Buddha? I'm going to call him. Um, he was the one that was picked up in the rookie draft, but only because he was a Queensland um, project. Free swing. Basically, a free swing. They could take him with the latest pick possible, so they picked him up in the rookie draft for Gold Coast. So um, he was an immense fantasy scorer. They played him down in the uh, Gold Coast Academy in the NAB League mm-hmm. and absolutely dominated there. So he's actually playing against the, the Victorian guys there and actually scoring pretty well. That said, he was probably the only half decent player for Gold Coast as well. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. The other one is Devin Robertson, but he got drafted to Brisbane Lions um, and they probably won't get a run for a while. But if he went to a shit yeah. team, he would have been absolutely uh, ready to go this season. Yeah, I think we talked about a lot in that pod. It's just like all the potential fantasy which, guns. Which pod, went, sorry? Uh, the members only oh, yeah. uh, pod. Another one. If you're not a member, you're missing yeah. out. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? All the good fantasy scorers ended up going to like strong teams. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of them blossom straight away. But yeah. uh, look for me, I always like guys who have played 
against real men. So uh, the SNFL boys, Dylan, Steve, and Will Gould, uh, lock them in for a spot in the swan side, I think. All right. What's the next question, Case? From at Zach Daddy 6 I have one keeper spot left. It comes down to either Trent Dumont or Took Miller. Both, I believe, can increase on their averages from last year. Who would you pick and why? Uh, I'm on Trent DeMont. I'm a previous owner of Trent DeMont, and I traded him for Lockie Weller a few years ago, who I turned into Heath Shaw in my premiership year. But anyway, um, I'm big on him because he just looks more like a fantasy player. He gets so... So they both have similar contested ball numbers, and when they play on the inside, it looks similar. Where I like DeMont more is he gets more uncontested touches on the outside, gets more of those, um, yeah, outside numbers that I like more. Miller, I think he gets stuck pretty inside at times and sometimes he's even made to tag mm. um, every now and then so I just don't like those games where he actually does that but with Took his tackle numbers really boost him yeah. up as well so he's like one of those guys that can tag but actually score pretty well Took's like a very very safe option yeah. and, he, and he can go like huge like yeah. he's got some massive massive scores to his name but uh, it's obviously when he gets those tackle numbers up I think I kind what, of what agree do you think? There. Yeah. yeah I agree with you there just because I think Miller is like lock and load safe you know M3 M4 every day of the week but I think Jamont probably has that ability just to go the next level, I think, at, at the stage of their career. Yeah, there's just been some games where he's gone huge, um, mm. Demont. He does, he does, is up and down a fair bit as well, but uh, he just looks more like a fantasy scorer to me. Agreed. All right, I'm going to ask you this one, Kaz, because sure. it involves one of your boys, which is already yeah. making me feel sick. Yes. Uh, this one's from at Tom Petters. What do you reckon Brendan Parfit uh, averages this season? Is he worth a flyer keeper spot in 12 keeper 12 team league? And the second part of this question is, is Jack Bowes the Messiah and will he average 80 to 90 or is he just a very decent fantasy player? Neither of those. Anyway, sorry. That's a very, very good uh, <laughs> Monty Python Related question. Anyway. Uh, Brandon, oh, topical this week, actually. Yeah, as well. yeah. exactly. Uh, I think Brandon Parfit can hit that mid-80s very easily. I think uh, given a bit more midfield time in that ageing list of Geelongs, I think his numbers are just going to grow and grow and grow. Um, if you look back last year, only half of his games, uh, he was on the ground for more than 75% of game time. So I think there's natural, you know, another year in the system, a bit more fitness. I think he's really going to come into his own in 2020. If I had the choice, I reckon I'd be keeping Parfit for sure. I think he's uh, going to be an absolute jet. And obviously, of course, Jack Bowes is the Messiah. And that's an absolutely silly question. I'm thinking this year, 85 plus. Um He's going to be fit. He's going to be ready. He's ready. He's going to take it to the next level. I am a believer. Not best 22 for mine. Anyway. I'm happy to have a bet right now. Jack Bowes will be in the side first round. If he's not, if he is, sorry, you have to shave your head like me and Jack Bowes. Oh, I'm thinking about shaving my head anyway. Just so uh, well, then just, like this is a reason. Yours, so, yeah. This is a reason to do it. Nah, I think he will Boom. probably be in the best 22. Yes. So. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, let's next question. Move on. Yes. Uh, at Trav014. Can Tom Stewart go 100 average or is he what he is always going to be? Um, I just can't see him going too much further than where he's at now. I just yeah. don't see where the points come from. You said earlier he's had a bit of an interrupted preseason. He has, yeah, he's groin as okay. well, which is not good news. Yeah, so I just don't think he can go 100 plus. I think he's probably at his peak now. Mm. Um, 93 but, average last year is still yeah. good going. Oh, look, look yeah. how many defenders yeah. average over 100? Yeah. 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 yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty tough ask to go to 100, but he's still going to be one of the best defenders out there when he's fit. So, yeah. yeah. All right, next question comes from at Rust2468, a regular on the podcast and on the Twitter machine. Uh, what's his question, Case? It's my boy Sturt is looking the goods. Uh, that's Sam Sturt for those playing at home, free man or kid. Worth a late draft pick 
if he has a good Marsh preseason series, there was an article about him this week about, you know, bulking, bulking up. up. Huge, hitting the yeah. gym. He had a few stouts over the off-season, <laughs> now he's ripped. Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. I drank a stout. I drank a fair few stouts during the season last year and that and definitely didn't work for me. You bulked up. <laughs> yeah, I did bulk up. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, look, maybe. Maybe for Sam Stat. He's a, the type of player he is, though, I'm just not sure he'll ever be a huge fantasy scorer. Look, I expect him to be like Eddie Betts in his prime, that kind of smaller forward Awesome player, just not a fantasy scorer. That's where I see him at. I'm happy to be proven wrong for you, Russ, because um, you're one of our boys. But, uh, yeah, look, um, I just don't see it happening. Do you have an opinion, Case? Uh, no opinion at all. Okay, cool. Uh, at Dingo Boyo, what age slash point in a player's career do you want to start trading players for young guns to regenerate your list? Uh, the old sell high or try and offload them on their come down. Now, if you are writing a book on this whole method, you keep preaching it week in, week out about how you've turned your list around and it's still shit, but you know. <laughs> it's definitely still shit. <laughs> run us through what, what, what's, what, what's your kind of thoughts and your mentality about all this? I always think you got to get rid of them like during the second to last year. I think maybe an, even before that, your third to last year, that's probably the best way to, to get rid of them for me. Um, yeah, but it's always hard to tell when that same last year. So you've got to actually yeah. keep being mindful of the contracts and things like that but quite often they get one year look, look at Heath Shaw gets another year um, just to you know have a crack at a flag so you got to be mindful of that but look last year I offloaded um, Gary Ablett for Brayshaw you put it out on Twitter and everyone ridiculed me but I reckon mm. that's uh, Andrew Brayshaw that is well he's really and got to deliver this season I reckon that's been a big uh, flop I reckon it's a pretty good trade um, I thought it was good back then too uh, and then uh, I did trade He's sure, and Justin Westoff for uh, Maynard as well. So I'm pretty happy with that one too, considering neither are probably going to be fantasy relevant uh, next season or as fantasy relevant next season. Yeah, probably. What do, you, what do you reckon? When do you start trading out your old blokes? Um, you just trade. I just like to trade. They don't even good, get old in your just, team. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to trade them when they're really good in for people prime. who aren't that good. Yeah. yeah. That's just my uh, that's my method. But you used to get uh, bored with your players. I do. Uh, there's only a couple uh, guys I really love that I've kept. I think Jack McRae's the only guy I've had for the whole time. Actually, Justin Westoff was the first uh, inaugural. Sorry, the last inaugural hoofer to be on my list um, and he's been traded out so I've got a full, full turnover from our eight yeah. years in the in the game I'm not a massive one of actually having old guys at all anyway so I just want to win a flag with no old guys that's my like life goal They're the only way to win a flag anyway that's you know and I haven't won a flag so my, <laughs> it's not really working out just yet alright I'm going to make you ask this one because okay. I'm answering too many sure um, from at Jordan Hollett would you rather use your first round draft pick on a highly touted rookie such as Rao Anderson or a potential third year breakout like Chera or LDU um, if you're in a position to compete for the flag um in an established keeper league. Sorry, that was a bit of a... Uh, there was a typo here. Sorry. <laughs> um, just topical case because we mm. had our draft pick punting challenge. Yes. Uh, we do, instead of like a raffle system, we have different wages. And so you can't really tank. You've got to punt your way to the number one draft pick. Kays, uh, tell us what happened on the weekend. Because uh, I had an average year last year. I think I had $15 to spend. The most you can spend is 30, 30. you get. So yeah. um, I put it on... John Rahm to finish top 10 in the PGA Tour over there at $2.10. Um, I managed to, he, he won, he came second. Um, so I doubled my money up to, I think, thirty one fifty or something like and that. For, just for players playing home, I had 30, I finished with $30. So you've beat me by a dollar. Sweet. <laughs> and uh, the guy who had 30 bucks put it on a horse at like three to one and yeah, ran stupid. second by a nose. So stupid. sucked in Steve. <laughs> but yeah, now I hold the, the first draft pick in this year's draft for us. And obviously we, we keep 16, put 16 back in. 
So there's still there's a large pool to pick from. So well, go on, who are you taking with your number one pick? You're taking uh, Rao or a Fichero or an LDU's in the well, list. What do you go with? I'm not really a massive fan of drafting first year players. Oh, I've awesome. never really been a guy like that. Like Rao, Sam slide, Walsh. Slide Sam, <laughs> Sam Walsh is an obvious ex- obvious exception last year because he was always going to be amazing. Now I'm going to have to watch Rao very closely in the preseason, but uh, for me personally, I'm a we all know I'm a big third year breakout kind of guy. So I'd be looking towards an Adam Chera, especially if you're going for a flag. So that was part of Jordan's question. He wants to compete for a flag. Uh, okay. I think there's too much risk in taking a first year player um, to be good. You know, like even if Rao Anderson ends up playing most games, I don't think they're going to average more than, you know, mid-70s at the most, whereas I think Chera has the ability to go into an 85-90. So I think if you're, you know, he might not even have picked one either. So I think there's a bit of room to, to kind of, you know, see what everyone else is doing. But for me, I'd be going for a guy who's kind of third year ready to go. I would comfortably black Rao to um, beat Chera this year. Or oh, depends. You've got him named in your best 22 and a halfback flank. If he plays on the halfback flank, again, I'd have Rao every day of the week. If Chera looks like he's actually moving into the midfield, then it might yeah, be time to go I'm somewhere. I'm not Chera. sure Rao's as good as everyone's saying. I think he is. But I don't know. I'm very, very keen to watch um, not as, series. He's not going to be as good as Sam Walsh, but he's yeah. going to be the best player in this draft, and he should... Should average, you know, the high 70s, low 80s, which I'm not 100% sure Chera is going to jump, you know, 20 points per game this year. If there's one thing I can predict, it's I'm going to get super nervous and really pick a dud with the number one pick. Oh, yeah, God, it's just all, I'm just going to get ridiculed. <laughs> I know. You've got, you've got all this time to think about yeah, it. Yeah, but you I need some football in. games. I need to go and watch some practice matches or something yeah. stupid like that. All right. Then we're not too far away. Uh, question. Uh, Shane Palmer on Facebook. Would you keep Boke, Heppel, or Lipinski? He can only keep one of them. What do you think, Hef? I would keep Lipinski um, just because of the forward status. Other two run-of-the-mill midfielders. Um, depends what you're going for. If you're trying to win a flag Correct. this year, you go Boke. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, Lipinski for mine is the best keeper, you know, the true keeper option mm-hmm. in those things. You think the same? 100% agree. I yeah. think if you're trying to flag up, Trav Boke's going to have another good year. But I think your long-term smart play is Paddy Lipinski. Yep. Cool. Uh, also from Facebook, Paul Milne. Uh, how does Will Brody fit into the scheme at the Suns? What's his likely role? Well, I think he's. Well, I think he should be starting in the midfield this season. So, if you look at uh, his game against North Melbourne last year, I think he had 146 fantasy points. Jack Bowes hasn't gotten near doing anything like that before. Case. Um, he is. You know that coaches actually don't pick. I know because teams based <laughs> yeah. on their fantasy output. But Will Brody. Got injured last season. I feel that if he wasn't injured at the end of last year, he would have played every game out. We would have actually seen him take that next level. Um, looking at his, I guess, looking, he was someone that we looked at pretty closely last year's preseason to see how he'd go. And he was always talking about, I guess, improving his, um, well, being a multifaceted player, inside, outside player, and um, reducing his, I guess, uh, ineffective disposals. Now, he boosted his disposal efficiency, definitely boosted his um, possession numbers as well. He kind of did everything that he should have done throughout the season. I think if he didn't get injured, he should have stayed in the side and had a pretty decent year. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Case? Uh, his best 26. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm not really sold on the whole uh, Gold Coast lineup. Like, that was my best 22, but, like, shit, anything could happen yeah. between now and round one. Like, there's a lot of similar plays in terms of smaller, mid, half forward flankers who could just interchange and we could see things that we're not expecting at all. So, um, as I said, I think Brody and Greenwood are vying for the same position, but maybe they're not. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot in the in the Marsh series. For sure, we will. All right, uh, Alex Hewson asks, uh, retain Jack Martin or Lockie Weller? I've only got room for one of them. 
Um, in my opinion, they're very, very close. So it really depends on your, your team setup and do you need a forward or back going into this season. I think personally, if you're happy for either, I'd be leaning towards Jack Martin. I think he can go to another level at Carlton. Um even though Colton aren't much better than Gold Coast, I think that uh, his role at that side will be a lot better. Lockie Weller's uh, going to be a you know, pretty solid defender. I, I, I think he needed to show a bit more last year that he can go to that next level. You know, they were both 93, 94 average players, which is fine, but I think Martin has another level to go. All right, I won't touch on Weller too much or Martin because I'm going to talk about Weller a fair bit uh, in the next. So what's the next question, Case? From Matt Crotty. So... He says, Perryman and Weller, are they both going to stay defenders and thoughts on their roles going forward? Now, just on uh, Perryman, I guess he's already lost his back status. So he's not staying a defender, but uh, Weller retains his defender status. But look, they both could change. Well, sorry, Perryman could change with the UF positions. There's Mm -hmm. likely he might get his defender status back. Um, But then I think he still might lose it in the the long run as some of the the GWS players get a bit more um, long in the tooth um, as they go on. Although they do have a quite young midfield so it's hard Mm. to see where he fits in but by the end of last year when there was a few injuries and things like that Perriman was running through the midfield so it's going to be interesting to see Um, look before Ellis's arrival at Gold Coast I would have thought Weller would lose back status because by the end of the year he was playing on the wing quite a bit Um, but the wings will probably be this year will be probably Powell and Ellis and Mm. I think it'll push uh, Weller back into defence where he started last season so look I think um, they should retain I think Weller's probably the most likely to stay a defender going forward Um, but I think for the time being, the next two or three years, I'm hoping that we see them both retain their back status. I think Perryman's the better player. Oh, better, yeah, definitely. Better yeah, same. Person to keep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. And last question from Chris Jackson. Please rank the following defenders and which ones you'd shop around. So, he reckons his team, the BBC, is going to be middle of the pack. So, here's a hell of a back line. Oh, uh, he's got Jaden Short, Tom Duday, Cullen Mills, Luke Ryan, Alex Witherden, Hunter Clark, and Jordan Dawson. I would keep all of those if I could. Yeah. Trade bait and just depth on the bench as well. So, mm. that'd be nice. Oh, yeah. Um, Look, it's pretty tough. Uh, look, I'd shop Luke Ryan, Duday, and Mills around, and that means I would be keeping, yeah, I'd be keeping Jordan Dawson, Hunter Clark, Witherden, and Short. I reckon he's going to go next level once Hooli's uh, out of the side. Yeah. Um, but look, the other three I'd be more than happy to keep as well. If you're trading someone like Mills or Luke Ryan, you'd want to get something pretty decent return for those guys, oh, I shit, think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You're better off keeping, like, I think there's more value on keeping them going into next year you yeah. know even before trade period unless you know it depends on who you can, how many you can keep and stuff like that but geez they are like that's the who's who of next generation backs yeah I reckon he's uh, going to be pretty handy going forward mm. uh, look out for the BBC's oh, for yeah. years to come the big time broadcasting commission anyway is it that bean dish at um, Chinese restaurants I don't know it could be it's many delicious. things it could be many things K's, but let's not go into it what the BBC's could be anyway um, let's uh, wrap this one up because that is the end of the episode we're at 73 minutes K's, so uh, well you know, we're slowly improving I think it's actually longer than last week but we're better than the first week so we're not relapsing too much um, yeah, basically that's it. Uh, yeah, follow us on the socials. We'll be back uh, next week with another three teams. Kays, I'm not good with the alphabet, but I'm pretty sure Hawthorne's in mm-hmm. there. Who else is in there? Probably Melbourne. Yep, North Melbourne. Yeah, North Melbourne. That makes that sounds about right. Yeah. Probably missing a few in there. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. um, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, anything else from you? 
Uh, that's it. Just uh, make sure you sign up to listen to us uh, ramble on about our uh, Defender rankings. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, head to keeperleaguepod.com.au. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever, YouTube. You'll find us. Everywhere. Um, yep. Even that TikTok thing. Yeah, except we haven't posted on there in months. So, not TikTok anymore. Well, no, I wouldn't be looking for us. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.